There were two more murders 15 miles away. When police arrived, they found the telephones and electricity lines. We have a weird homicide. A scene described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird... Morning. Cop of murder. One would think that putting a murderer in prison would be the end of the reign of terror. On July 11th, 1965, a man was born who'd go on to kill a handful of people. The exact number still heavily disputed. A dangerous man who didn't let prison stop him from satisfying his urge to kill. So if you like your coffee hot, but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Not much is known about Michael Wayne McGray's life beyond the terrors he committed beginning when he was just 19 years old. We know that he was born on July 11th, 1965, and that, though he was born in Collingwood, Ontario, he spent most of his life being raised in Argyle, Nova Scotia, which is where he was when, on May 1st, 1985, he took his first victim. While hitchhiking from her job near Weymouth in Digby County, Nova Scotia, on May 1st, 17-year-old Elizabeth Gale Tucker was picked up by Michael, taken to a wooded area, and stabbed to death. Later, while trying to solve her case, another serial killer operating in the area, Gregory George Ashford, was interviewed as a potential suspect. He was not connected to the case. On November 14, 1985, Mark Daniel Gibbons was stabbed to death in New Brunswick. Now, Mark's murder was different from Elizabeth's in a couple ways. First and most apparent was the fact that Mark was a male. Then there was the area in which he was murdered, New Brunswick, as opposed to Nova Scotia. And last, and more than likely the reason for this sudden change, was the fact that Mark Gibbons was actually one of Michael's accomplices. On that day in November, Michael, Mark, and another accomplice named Norm Warren robbed a taxi driver in St. John, New Brunswick. But when police arrived at Market Square, they found Mark's dead body instead of a robbery in progress. Norm Warren was charged with his murder, but later found not guilty, and Michael served five years in prison for the role he played in the robbery and was not in any way charged or connected to the actual murder. If he was, I doubt he would have been granted the freedoms he was given in 1991. That was the year that Michael, who was still technically serving his 1987 prison sentence, was granted a three-day weekend pass so that he could spend the Easter holiday staying in a halfway house and celebrating with friends and family. He left the prison on March 29, 1991, and on March 30th, he met retired school teacher Robert Astley in Montreal's Gay Village, where Robert invited Michael back to his apartment. Michael obliged and, once there, stabbed Robert in the throat and chest until he took his last breath in the early morning hours of March 31st. The very next day, Michael returned to the Gay Village, where he met Gayton Ethier, who, like Robert, invited the new acquaintance back to his apartment and was stabbed to death in return. Michael had, over the course of just a few days, killed two men outside of prison walls while still technically serving time in prison. Unsurprisingly, Michael did not return when his three-day pass dictated, but he was rearrested a few months later. In 1995, when up for parole, the National Parole Board expressed their concerns that Michael had clear anger and substance issues, and that the fact that he disappeared back in 1991 instead of coming back when his past dictated, quote, clearly indicated a serious breach of trust and a blatant disregard for conditions of release. 
This was apparently not taken into consideration, and Michael Wayne McGray was released from prison. In November of 1995, a young woman named Brenda Way was murdered in Dartmouth, Nova Scotia, a crime for which her own boyfriend was convicted and spent 17 years in prison. Though it is unproven, Michael remains a main suspect in her case. But one murder that is proven was the February 28, 1998 murder of Joan Hicks and her 11-year-old daughter Nina in Moncton, New Brunswick. Murdered in their apartment, Joan was found lying on the floor of the bathroom surrounded by a pool of her own blood. She was beaten, strangled, and then had her throat sliced with a serrated knife. Her daughter Nina was found hanging in her bedroom closet. The trail of evidence led straight to Michael McGray, who was arrested and charged with the double murder. According to his side of the story, Michael spent the whole day mainlining cocaine and, high out of his mind, and overcome with the urge to kill somebody, went to the home of Joan Hicks looking for his girlfriend. When he entered the apartment, he sent his girlfriend away and instead made Joan and Nina his next victims. Not realizing that they had a serial killer in their midst, the investigators looked into his record and found only the robbery charge for which he had served his five years. But while sitting behind bars and being interrogated about Joan and Nina's murder, Michael calmly confessed to the murders of Robert Astley and Gayton Ethier from 1991. He also claimed that these were not his only victims and that he had at least 11 spanning across Halifax, St. John, Montreal, Ottawa, Toronto, Calgary, Vancouver, and even Seattle. He, of course, said he would give more information, but only if his demands were met. According to police, the bits and pieces of information he gave could be corroborated with unsolved cold cases throughout Canada and say that he knows information that only the killer or at least someone involved in the crime would know. With the information they gathered and Michael gave, in January of 2000, he was charged with the murder of Mark Daniel Gibbons, his accomplice, pled guilty to the murder of Joan Hicks, but denied Nina's murder on March 20th, 2000, and was sentenced to life with no parole for 25 years. Was sentenced on April 25th, 2000, to 20 years in prison for the murders of Robert and Gayton, and in May of 2001, was charged with the 1985 murder of Elizabeth Gail Tucker from Nova Scotia. When asked why he killed the 17-year-old, he claimed it was because of the beatings he received as a child and said that demons sent him on his 15-year coast-to-coast killing spree. One of the demands he asked for in exchange for information was psychiatric treatment to get rid of the demons who, according to him, tell him to kill a guard or a prisoner to quench his searing desire to kill. He also asked for immunity for his accomplices and for himself against potential new charges. In addition to the murders for which he was charged, Michael McGray claims he took the lives of a sex worker and gay man in Seattle in 1995 to 1996 three or more gay men in Montreal, and a 50-year-old man that he said is buried in a Toronto park. If all of these claims are correct, then he is one of Canada's worst serial killers. In November of 2010, Michael killed 33-year-old Jeremy Phillips, his cellmate at the Mountain Institute in British Columbia, a medium security institution where he had only recently been transferred. 
According to the Crown Prosecutor, Michael claimed that Jeremy invented a false hostage situation where Michael would tie him up, resulting in Jeremy's transfer to a prison infirmary. Michael complied with his cellmate's plans and then was overcome by his urge to kill and strangled him to death. Jeremy's family, however, disagrees with this scenario, stating that Jeremy was scheduled for parole soon after serving six years and nine months for aggravated assault, therefore had no desire to get himself into any trouble and jeopardize his release. And according to two other inmates, all of the other inmates walked on eggshells around Michael, knowing his reputation and fearing his presence in a medium security prison. They said that Jeremy had actually requested not to be held in the same block as Michael, but that the corrections officers denied his request. As a result of his murder, a coroner's inquest recommended that serial killers be housed in single cells and not share a living space with a new potential victim. Following this new murder, Michael McGray was given his seventh life term for first-degree murder and was moved to one of the highest security prisons in Canada. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to a terrible thing happened on July 12th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe.